Welcome to the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Some of you may notice that last week I didn't introduce myself. In fact, I didn't introduce myself in any of the preview videos. That's because the Big Book, the program of AA, and the hard work that Joe and Charlie did to bring understanding of the 12 steps of AA take center stage in this podcast. That's a benefit of this program. It isn't all about me. I don't have to be the center of attention. In this episode, we have an origin story. We meet the founder of this great program we call AA, Mr. Bill Wilson, or simply Bill W. Like all good comic books and classic novels, we have a broken hero figure, flawed, but probably wanting to be better off, better self, unable to control his demons. Yeah, that would be alcohol. Bill finds a group of like-minded people who also want to change. They develop a plan, and then they work that plan. Let's see how that goes. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Now we know that these two <clears throat> fellows happen to be the New York stockbroker is this guy named Bill Wilson, and the Akron physician was a fellow named Dr. Bob Smith. I really think we're doing Bill Wilson a favor when we call him a New York City stockbroker. He really was, and he was a New York City stock speculator. He made his living out of selling fast, talking to slow-thinking people. He loved to take other people's money and invest it in deals and make money with the family and himself also. We certainly don't want to take anything away from Bill. Bill was a fine man, but I think we also need to realize he's a real alcoholic, just like all the rest of us. When we realize that, it's going to make it easier for us to understand the book because he is and was the primary author of this book that we have in front of us. He's a real alcoholic. He's a real con artist. He knows exactly how to talk people into what he wants them to do, and we're going to see that as we go through the book. His Akron physician was Dr. Bob Smith, who was a proctologist. And uh, <laughs> kind of strange, uh, Charlie used to say a butt doctor from Akron and a New York stockbroker from New York put together this program, so it's a quite a combination of people. Now, six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Octa groups of that day. And as we get into Bill's story, we're going to see where Bill did have a vital spiritual experience in the town hospital in December of 1934. We'll also be able to see that Bill had a meeting with a fellow named Abby Thatcher prior to this vital spiritual experience. The old alcoholic friend, the old drinking buddy, Abby Thatcher, had come to Bill and visited with Bill in his kitchen. And he had presented Bill with two ideas. He said, Bill, people like us who have become absolutely powerless over alcohol, in order for us to recover, we're going to have to find a power greater than we are, and it's going to have to be a power greater than human power, obviously. And he said, I've been attending meetings with a group of people called the Oxford Groups. And said, these Oxford Group people are a, a series of people who are practicing first century Christianity to the best of their ability. 
and he said, they told me that if I could have a vital spiritual experience, that during that vital spiritual experience, I would find the power greater than human power. And he said, they also have given me a practical program of action. And they promised me that if I would employ that practical program of action in my life, I would have that vital spiritual experience. And he said, Bill, look at me. It's been two months since I've had a drink. Now, Bill knew Ebby quite well. He knew that if Ebby had been sober two months, some power greater than Ebby must have been working in Ebby's life. And what Ebby really gave to Bill during that visit in Bill's kitchen was two of the things necessary for us to recover from alcoholism. He gave him the solution to alcoholism, the vital spiritual experience, and he also gave him the practical program of action necessary to find that solution. Later we'll see where Bill put that practical program of action to work in his life, had the vital spiritual experience, recovered from alcoholism. So Abby gave to Bill two things. He gave him the solution, the vital spiritual experience. He gave him the program of action necessary to find that vital spiritual experience. Those two things came from Abby Thatcher, the old alcoholic friend. He'd also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. And we'll be able to see again when we get into Bill's story <clears throat> that as far back as the summer of 1933, Bill was placed in the town's hospital in New York City there to be withdrawn from alcohol by Dr. Silkworth. And after Dr. Silkworth had withdrawn Bill from alcohol, he sat down with him and he explained to him his ideas about this thing called alcoholism. And he said, Bill, I don't believe alcoholism is a matter of willpower. I don't think it's moral character. I don't think sin is involved in it at all. He said, I believe people like you have become absolutely powerless over alcohol for two reasons. He said, first, I think there is something different in your body. That whenever you take a drink of alcohol, you react entirely different than normal people do. And he said, it seems as though in the body of the alcoholic, whenever you take a drink of alcohol, it produces an actual physical craving that demands more of the same. And he said, this only happens to one person out of 10. And he said, therefore, I'm going to say that I believe you have become physically allergic to alcohol, and you'll never be able to safely drink it again as long as you live. And he said, also, Bill, I believe that people like you have developed an obsession of the mind, an obsession of the mind being an idea that overcomes all ideas to the contrary. And he said, it really doesn't make any difference how badly you would like to stop drinking. From time to time, your obsession of the mind is going to tell you that it's okay to drink. And believing that it's going to be okay, you're going to take a drink. And then the drink is going to trigger your allergy, the physical craving will develop, and you'll be unable to stop drinking. He said, Bill, people like you can't drink because of the allergy, and you can't stay sober because of the obsession of the mind, therefore you have become absolutely powerless over alcohol. 
Now, Dr. Silkworth told Bill that in the summer of 1933. But when we get into Bill's story, we'll see that that was not enough to keep him sober. He got drunk two more times after that. Then Ebby visited with him on the last drunk and brought him the other two pieces of the puzzle. Dr. Silkworth told him what the problem was, the physical allergy, the obsession of the mind making him powerless over alcohol. Ebby brought him the solution, the vital spiritual experience, finding of the power greater than human power. And Ebby also brought him the program of action. So Bill, as far as we know, was the first one to either know these three things or the first one to really act on all three of these things. He knew the problem, he knew the solution, he knew the program of action, he applied the program of action, and then he recovered from alcoholism. Abby began to take Bill to the Oxford group meetings. He says though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, he was convinced of the need of moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in the dependence upon God. And those were the six tenets of the Oxford group, and later on were expanded into the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic, but he succeeded only in keeping sober himself. And Bill did what so many of us did when we first got sober. We felt so good about being sober, and, and because we found a solution, we began to chase people around and bring them to meetings and haul them in off of the bar stools and out of the gutters and all those things. That, but it seemed like Bill was doing these things the same as we did, and he wasn't having any luck staying sober. I mean, he, he was staying sober, but he had, wasn't having any luck getting anybody else sober. And he was <clears throat> quite concerned about this. So he went back to Dr. Silkworth and told him that he was help, trying to help all these drunks, but nobody seemed to want to get sober. And Dr. Silkworth said, well, Bill, you're sober. You're trying to help other people. Surely is, trying to, is helping you stay sober. He said, but why don't you do for them what I did for you? Why don't you tell them about the grave nature of alcoholism? Tell them about the physical allergy and the mental obsession. And once they can see how they were powerless over that condition, then you can bring and give them the spiritual answer to, to this solution, to this problem. Akron, 1935. A doctor and a con artist walk into a bar. Actually, they had a house. Dr. Bob and Bill W. started one of the most incredible programs we've ever known. Saved my life. I tell people that every day. But there's a lot of backstory before we get to that point in 1935. We have a hero figure, as I mentioned, who is broken, who has problems. He's pretty much a con artist. He's moved around an awful lot trying to make his scams work, to get over on people, to make everything in his life easy at the, at the expense of others. Bill had some friends that showed up, and in the big book it talks about his buddy Abby Thatcher, uh, who was a, a pretty good drinking buddy. Here's someone who could go the distance with Bill. And he calls Bill and says, I'm going to come over. And Bill thinks, oh, this is awesome. And he sets out a bottle and he gets ready and he knows it's going to be a session. And Abby shows up and he says, I'm clean and sober. Have been for two months. Well, that doesn't stop Bill. Bill decides, well, that means more alcohol for me. Uh, we've all been there. If you're not going to drink it, I will be more than happy to help you with that. 
So that was a spark that there was an opportunity to get clean and sober. There is a plan. There is a way that you can stop drinking and not crave the alcohol and have the obsession of the mind and the disease of the body. In the second or third or maybe the fourth or fifth detox, I'm sure Bill's wife was getting tired of dragging him to the sanitarium every few months, getting ready to bury him if he didn't survive. Bill had the serendipity to meet Dr. Silkworth. Now, Dr. Silkworth was a Renaissance doctor compared to most of the people in his day. Dr. Silkworth thought differently about alcoholism. The prevailing thought process in the time and for many years, decades, centuries, had been that you're just an alcoholic. You're just an old drunk. You're the town drunk. Nothing we can do about you. Throw you in the sanitarium. Let you die. Dr. Silkworth thought, no, this might be physical. This might be mental. And in fact, his revelation and what really sparked the change was realizing it was both. Alcoholism is an addiction of the mind and a disease of the body. We are different. We're abnormal, uh, as Marty Feldman helps the, the great Dr. Frankenstein with his monster. I've met a couple of people who call themselves pickles uh, here in, in Pittsburgh, obviously with Heinz. If you go to Kennywood or maybe some function in the area, you might run into a Heinz booth and they'll give you a pickle pin. Well, here's the thing. Why do we in the program call ourselves pickle? Because we start out as cucumbers, and then you soak us long enough in vinegar and sugar and water, and we turn into a pickle, and a pickle cannot turn back into a cucumber. So now we have Bill. He's met a doctor that says there is an answer, and he's tried to drink with Abby, who said there is a program. There is a higher power. So now, if we put one and two and three together, if we put the allergy of the mind, the obsession of the body, together with the higher power and a program of action, that equals recovery from alcoholism. Now, this is a very early stages of our program. In fact, they were still going to the Oxford group, which was a group of gentlemen uh, like-minded that thought uh, spirituality and a number of different ideologies that we'll hear a little bit more about. But... They were the outcasts. They sat in the corner. We'll talk more about that later. But remember, the key takeaways are we have a problem. We've known it for decades and centuries. We now have a solution. And that solution requires a program of action. Because if you don't put that solution in place and start working it, plan your work and work your plan. It's a famous quote and one that has probably been used and attributed to many different people. But it's very true. In our program you have to work you have to work at it every day i hope you will i hope you do and i hope you find the peace and serenity that comes with continued long-term sobriety until next week this is brad s thank you very much and i hope to see you next week